Well, we are wrapping up our series today, Lean. This is the final installment, and I want to remind you of our theme verse for the series, what we've been looking at, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Put it on the screen. Let's look at it together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I love this verse because it tells us that if you need help, if you need wisdom, if you need direction, if you need some guidance, that God has help for you. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to do life on your own. That God wants to help you, meet you where you're at. And many times that's the problem, isn't it? We're, we're looking to ourselves. We're looking to our own limited knowledge, limited experience. And, and we get into situations where we make mistakes. Well, that's the lens by which I want to look at our main text for today. And I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And there's two verses I want to read, uh, starting in verse 11, then I'm going to skip to the last verse in the chapter. If you have your Bible, you can look it up, but uh, we can follow along the screen here together. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. This is the second letter. He says, finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Cheer up, he's saying. Repair whatever's broken among you as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity. Live continually in peace. And God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. Verse 14 says, Now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God, and the precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. I want to use this verse uh, to speak to you today. And... I was drawn to this verse this week, honestly, thinking about our group leaders. Uh, I don't know if you know, but we are beginning groups next week, so you can sign up today. I hope you take advantage of that. You're definitely missing out if you don't partner with people and get some Christian community in your life, and you can do that today. I'm personally leading a group, and I want to, we've got a number of great groups that you can join. But I was thinking about our group leaders because every semester when we launch groups, uh, I get with all of our group leaders. We do a groups rally. We're doing that tonight. And, and I share some things from my heart with them and I pray over them. And uh, this was the verse that I was drawn to. I was going to share with them tonight. But as I was preparing for that, I really just felt like the message that I thought was for them, God wanted to give to you. And so I want to use this verse to talk to you from this subject. This is the word of God for you today that you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. That's what I want to tell you. Now, it's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So would you bow your head with me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that every time we open up your word, you speak to us. And God, I know you'll do it again today. So Lord, use me. Speak through me. Help the people today, God. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. How many of you know there are moments in your life where everything shifts? Have you ever had that happen? Like, you know, there's just a moment where where I'm at now is not where I was a few minutes ago or the past month. You know what I'm talking about? There's moments when everything shifts. Just wave at me if you're paying attention so I know that you're getting what I'm saying. Uh, you can type that in the chat. Let us, there's some moments where everything shifts. 
Maybe for you, um, it's when you graduate. It's like, it's a moment. Everything's different now. Maybe it's when you get your first real job, your career type job. It's like, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a different place. Could be when you get married. Could be when you have your first kid. There, there's many of these moments in our life where it's like, I'm in a different season now. And um, I, I, that's happening to me right now. I'm, I'm in a weird season of parenting. Uh, you know, like when you first start out parenting, like all you're trying to do is care for these miniature humans that are in your house. Uh, but now I'm, I'm in this season where I realize I'm no longer just trying to care for them. Like I'm trying to raise them up to be, you know, godly individuals, successful people, contributing humans. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, isn't that what all parenting is? No. Like when you first start out parenting, it is just survival. I mean, that's, that is all it is. When, when you begin parenting, when you're a new parent, maybe you've got one or two little children at home, you're not thinking about raising them. All you're trying to do is manage the chaos. You know, it's like you've still got the same priorities. You've still got the same life goals. You've still got the, the same kind of demands. But now you're trying to incorporate another little person in the process. But there, there comes a point, and I'm at this point now. My oldest is 14. My youngest is turning five. So, you know, one of them we're trying to teach how to drive. The other one we're trying to teach the ABCs. That's what's happening in our household. There's this moment where it's like, okay, I'm not just trying to care for them. I'm trying to raise them to be, you know, healthy, happy, successful, godly, contributing individuals. And my kids are probably getting annoyed with me because, like, I'm in this stage where everything is a life lesson. Like, I'm not just trying to teach them good habits. I'm trying to teach them skills for life. That means, like, it is making your bed is no longer about, like, I want your room clean. Making your bed is about, look, this is important because how you start the day determines your outlook for the day. And there are a lot of things that you can't control in life, but one thing you can control is making your bed, right? And, and success brings about success. So if you can be successful in this area of making your bed, it is going to set you up for other things in life. And uh, like that's one thing. Or, you know, it's like, yes, you do have to comb your hair. I, I know you don't have to look at yourself, but other people have to look at you. And you might not think it's a big deal, but how you present yourself is an indicator of how you see yourself. And how you see yourself is a reflection of how you want other people to see you. And do you really want people to think that you are uncaring and disorganized and dysfunctional? No. So comb your hair before you go to school this morning, right? Or there's like, I know you want to play video games, but you got to do your homework first. Because in life, lots of times, you have to do things that you may not necessarily want to do in order to get to the things that you do want to do. And if you don't learn this lesson, I'm never going to be able to do the things that I want to do because you're still going to be living in my house. So <laughs> do your homework. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to help my kids be independent. If you can relate to that, put it in the chat, let me know. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, being independent doesn't mean operating in isolation. And uh, this really came, uh, I, I was, came face to face with this reality a few weeks ago because Marissa, my beautiful wife, she was out with some friends. I had all four children at home. Pippa let her mom know I'm their favorite babysitter. Um, I, don't know, I thought I was being a parent, but apparently I'm just the babysitter. 
Um, but uh, I, I was at home, and all four of them, in a moment, just wanted to exercise their independence. Pippa, my youngest, she thought, like, this is a great time to give her Barbie a bath. Uh, Grant, my youngest son, is like he's going to help himself to a bowl of cereal because we eat cereal for dinner sometimes at my house. Uh, Oliver, he was like wanted to make some money, so he's got all his cleaning supplies. He's going to clean my shoes. And Reese decides that he's going to uh, delete something or install something on his computer. And in this one moment, all four of them are exercising their independence. But, you know, even though I want them to be independent, I still want them to know that, like, I'm here to help. And so you can... Just kind of envision how this went. Pippa spilled water all over the place. Grant got, dropped his cereal bowl. There's, there's milk and cereal all over the kitchen floor. Uh, Oliver made a mess, using the wrong stuff, didn't clean up his mess, and Reese completely uh, deleted everything on his computer, can't even turn it on. And so, <laughs> so they, they had good intentions, but they ended up with bad results. Have you ever been there? And I couldn't think about how that might relate to, to you and even me, how sometimes we start the year with some good goals. We start the year with some changes that we want to make. We have good intentions, but things don't always go according to plan. I'll just bring it down to where you're at. Maybe, uh, maybe you heard the message last week. You're like, man, I, I'm really going to fast. I, I like what Pastor was talking about. I'm going to fast this week never done it before, and you do it, and you get to day two, and you're like, forget this, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to eat some food. <laughs> and then you start feeling guilty because you're like, I really wanted to do this, but I couldn't do the thing that I wanted to do. And maybe you started the year, you know, you're going to read your Bible every day, or you're going to start your Bible reading plan, but, but somewhere along the line, you get off, you miss a couple days, you lose track, and now you're behind. It's like, man, why even, why even start? Maybe, you know, there's, there's some commitments that you made that you failed to keep. Maybe there's some promises you made to yourself. Maybe you look at your life and you thought, there are some things that I wanted to leave behind in 2020, but I'm still dealing with the same problems, the same patterns, the same addictions, and I haven't got free from this. I'm still dealing with these things. Well, if that's you, I've got good news for you. If you can relate to any of that, I want to encourage you today because Paul has some things that he wants to share with you. And, and the word for you today is that you don't have to do this alone. In fact, you were not made to do this alone. That's what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians. Now, we, if you were here last week, we looked at his first letter to the Corinthians. And in that letter, I told you he was writing that letter to bring about some correction. They'd gotten off track. And Paul's writing to them, and he says, hey, I want to bring some correction here. I need to help you get back on track. This is some areas where you need to make some adjustments. Well, since that letter, a number of things have transpired now. Now uh, that he's writing this letter, they've experienced some pain. They, they've had some problems. Paul has come to visit them, and it was not a pleasant visit. It's referred to in second as a painful visit. And they've had some rebuke. They're actually dealing now with some guilt over their actions and, and how they've responded. So when Paul writes this letter, 2 Corinthians, he's writing to them to encourage them. He, he's writing to them to assure them of his love for them. And, and so he, he writes them and, and he says, look, guys, I still love you. I know it's been difficult, but, but I, I'm here for you. I'm encouraging you. And, 
And he encourages them, hey, to pick up where they left off. Now, in 2 Corinthians, the, one of the issues is in giving. They had stopped being generous. He's like, look, I, I know you had good intentions, but you stopped, and I just want to encourage you to pick it back up. Start being generous. Part of being a Christ follower is being generous. So he, he gives them a little system on how to do this. He says, hey, the first part of the week, 2 Corinthians 9, the first part of the week, I want you to, to set aside a portion of your income, when you get income, set some aside so that you have something to give. He gives them a system. And then he gets into the end of it. He challenges them a little bit. But at the end of this chapter, the end of this letter, and this is what we looked at. It's the very last verse of the last chapter of this book. He ends with this unique charge and prayer. And that's what caught my attention because the Bible talks a lot about prayer but there's not a lot of prayers in the Bible. And this is a prayer. And I had never noticed this as, until this week, as many times as I've read the Bible, as long as I've been studying the Bible, I had never seen this prayer in scripture until this week. But it's a prayer. Paul ends it with an amen. He says, finally, finally, there's some things I want you to know. And he says, let's look at it again. He says, now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God, and the precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. It's a prayer. What's interesting about this passage, it's the only place in Scripture that references the Trinity in this way. It's got Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. He's saying, hey, with with everything that you've got going on, with everything that you're wanting to do, with everything that's in your heart to do, I want to encourage you with this. With, with, with all that's, that's on your list, with, with everything that, that's on your mind, with everything that I'm asking of you, I want to remind you, look, it's not just about your ability. It, it's not just about your efforts. It's not just about what you can do. With everything that's going on, I want you to remember this. Jesus has grace for you. That's the first thing. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. He prays this prayer. He says, with everything going on, I want you to remember Jesus has grace for you. Let's look at this verse one more time. It says, now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours continually. Now, this is meaningful to me because in the other verse, verse 11 that we read, right before this, Paul makes this statement. He says, hey, cheer up and then repair whatever is broken among you. Now, if you look that up, the, we're reading from the Passion Translation, but in the Greek, it literally translates to strive for perfection. In fact, many translations will say aim for perfection or be perfect. Strive for perfection. And I was thinking, isn't that what most of us try and do? Strive for perfection. We start the year with some good goals. We start the year with some ambitions. Man, if I can just do a little more here, if I can just start this, if I can just stop that, if I can just tighten this thing up here, we've got some goals aiming for perfection. But how many of you know perfection is impossible? That, that's why this translation puts it this way. Repair whatever is broken among you. See, in Scripture... Whenever you see that word perfection, it, really a better translation is complete 
are whole. Completeness, wholeness, nothing missing. And I like that because maybe like me, some of your goals this year got derailed. Maybe like me, your, your plans got off track. Maybe you made some commitments that you weren't able to keep. Maybe you got discouraged with some things. But I want to encourage you today. Jesus has grace for you. This is the message of the cross, by the way, that even our best efforts will always come up short. That we could never do enough through our own works, through our own ability to ever achieve God's love. And at the same time, because we can never do enough to achieve God's love, we can never fail so much that we lose it. Jesus has grace for you. Now, I don't want you to take that as an excuse to dwell in your dysfunction. Because in the same breath where Paul says Jesus has grace for you, he also says, repair what's broken among you. And here's the practical application. The reason it matters that you repair those things that are broken is because what you don't repair, you will repeat. So, so here's the application. Okay, so maybe, you know, maybe you did get off track. Maybe you started the year with some good goals to read your Bible and you stopped and you're so far behind, like, man, what's the use? Here's what Paul would say to you. Hey, pick it back up again. Open it up today. You, you know what? May, maybe there's some commitments that you failed to keep. Make a fresh start today. Renew your commitment today. May, maybe there's some places in your life where you've experienced some discouragement. Renew your hope today. Jesus has grace for you. So repair what's been broken. Don't just stay in your dysfunction. And I want you to take some courage because I, despite whatever happened, there is no gap that is too great for the grace of Jesus. In fact, the greater the gap in your life, the greater the grace that Jesus has for you. And maybe what we're looking at today, maybe this needs to be your prayer. Maybe you just need to start every day with this prayer. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that covers every gap. Thank you for your grace that covers every mistake. It's the grace of Jesus that enables us to approach him without shame, that we can come before him boldly. It's the grace of Jesus that invites us into relationship with him. Jesus has grace for you. And if Jesus has grace for you, well, then you can be confident that God has love for you. That God has love for you. That's the second thing. God has love for you. And I know this seems so simple. But I really wish you would receive this, that God has love for you. I remember, um, I remember when I, I started the church and uh, I asked my dad if there was any advice he had for me for ministry. Some of you don't know my dad. My dad, uh, he started preaching when he was 16 years old and uh, pastored his first church at 18. And uh, he's 86 years old today, so the 10 years ago, 76. 60 years of, of ministry, 60 years of faithfully serving Jesus. I don't care who you are, my dad or whoever. If you've been serving Jesus for 60 years faithfully, I want to know what you have to say. And, uh, and, you know, even before, uh, prior to COVID, still 
you know, 80, you know, 85, 84, going overseas, Kenya, preaching in churches, teaching in Bible schools. If you don't know my dad, he's right here on the front row. Isn't this a good-looking guy? Man. Know where I get my sense of style from. So uh, I asked him. I said, uh, you know, we, we hadn't started the church yet. And I, I, I said, you know, Dad, what's, you've been doing this a long time. And he'd never started a church before, but he, you know, has been doing it a long time. I said, Dad, you've been doing this a long time. What's some advice that you have for me as we, you know, step out to do this? And he said, Justin, you know, <laughs> with everything I've done and, and everything that I've learned, the, the greatest thing that, that I've learned is that the greatest thing that God wanted to do in my life and ministry wasn't about my ministry. The greatest thing that God wanted to do in my life is to help me understand how much he loves me. And I was thinking like, I mean, dad, you know, like four steps to a successful ministry or something. It was like the, the greatest thing that I could ever learn in all my 60 years, at the time, 60 years of ministry was how much God loved me. Man, how simple is that? Sounds so basic, but, I mean, if I can be honest with you, I wonder if there's a part of us that doesn't really get it. Because I think about, like, all the things that I want to do for God. And I think it's good to have some goals that you want to do for God. I think that's noble. I think God honors that, to have dreams that you want to see God fulfill in your life, things that you want to do for God. But sometimes I wonder if in my vision of all that I want to do for God, sometimes it can cause me to lose sight of the love that God has for me. Because sometimes I think, man, I, I want to, this is how I'm going to ex express my love. And it almost becomes this, this thing where you're trying to achieve it. But that's why I like this translation, because it says the unambiguous love of God. Unambiguous. Th that means that it's clear. That means that you don't have to wonder about it. That, that means that you don't have to question it. That you don't have to search for it. It is unambiguous. It's obvious. It's clear. But you know, I meet a lot of people who can't say that. I meet a lot of people who question it. I, I meet a lot of people who have their doubts because of a pain that they've experienced, because of some tragedy that's happened in their life, because deep down they know they're, they're well acquainted with their own jacked up thoughts and they're like, man, I know the way I really think that I haven't even expressed. Are you serious that God has love for me? And I get it because it is, it is natural to wonder about God's love for you when you've experienced the tragedy. It's normal to question and wonder if God has love for you when, when you've gone through some hardship. But if you will receive this truth today, this very simple truth, that Paul prayed for the Corinthian church, that they would know this, that God has love for you you'll discover that it's often in the times that are the most painful, the most difficult, the most trying, the most sorrowful, 
that you can experience God's love the most. I remember it was last year, um, a friend of mine called me up. It was shortly after the first shelter in place, and they called me up to let me know that their son had died. Their son committed suicide. And uh, it's very painful. I prayed with them, and you know, in that moment, just so you know, there are no words you can say that are going to bring comfort. Like, there's, there is nothing. The only thing you can do is grieve with people. The only thing you can do is, is walk with them. And in that moment, uh, I prayed with them, and, and later they, they had a memorial service, a celebration of life, and they invited, invited me and Marissa, just a few friends there. I was... Uh, we shared some memories about their son and, and his life. and They asked me to pray to close out the service. These were Christian people. These are Christian people, Jesus-loving people, ministry people, have been in ministry, are in ministry, and this happened, this tragedy happened. So I was praying for them, closing out the service. And I don't know if this ever happens to you. I'm just trying to tell you how it happened for me. Is, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me something. Just, you might say, what does that mean? It's just an impression, right? Just you have this impression to, I felt this prompting just to let them know how much God loves them. And if this has ever happened to you, <laughs> just tell you how it happened to me. It's kind of like you have this impression where you're supposed to do something, but you're kind of arguing with God in your head. It's like, God, are you crazy right now? Like they have just lost their son and you want me to tell them how much you love them? Like, this is going to come across so tone deaf. And so I prayed. And afterwards, you know, I didn't want to embarrass them because there were people around. Maybe I just didn't want to look foolish myself. But I went up and I said, hey, while I was praying, I really just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell you how much God must love you. <laughs> of course, I started crying. And... Uh, she said, man, what a confirmation that had been. And I said, this is, this is it. I felt like God wanted me to tell you, just remind you how much he must love you because he trusts you with this. He trusts you to walk through this and not lose your faith. He, he trusts you to walk through this and still bless him. He trusts you to, to walk through this and still reflect the goodness of God. Now, let me be clear. God doesn't love your suffering. He loves you. And I'm not saying any of this is his plan, his purpose, his will, any of that. I'm just saying that in this moment that God loves you. And what's interesting is that, you know, nothing's easy about experiencing hardship, but Jesus actually promised, in this world, you'll have troubles. In this world, you will have trials. In this world, you're going to have problems. Now, that's not the promise that most of us cling to. That's not the one we put on a plaque and hang in our house. That's not the one that we write on a card, send it to somebody. Hey, in this world, you're going to have troubles. But it's a promise nonetheless. And you know why? Because God cares more about having an intimate relationship with you than he does giving you a problem-free life. Certainly, he wants to bring fulfillment in your life. Certainly, he's a good God. 
wants to give good gifts. But many times, experiencing what God has for you means dying to the thing that you think you want the most. You know how I said it's often in times of pain and sorrow that we can experience God's love the most? It's because in that moment, we get to decide and trust that God is good, even despite what it looks like. And if you can trust that God is good, that God has love for you, well, then you can know that the Holy Spirit has helped for you. The Holy Spirit has helped for you. That's the third thing. I love this verse. Let's read it one more time. Now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God and the precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. Communion, it's another word for fellowship. It means that we have unity and partnership with the Holy Spirit. But, but here's what I caught my attention. When Paul is writing this letter, he's saying, this is what God has for you. Jesus has grace for you. God has love for you. The Holy Spirit has help for you. But notice he says, the precious communion that we share. In other words, there's something different with this one. There's two things to note here. One, that the Holy Spirit has help for you personally, but he has something he wants you to experience corporately. There is a part of the Holy Spirit that can only be experienced when we gather together. It's something we share. He has help for you, but there's, there's a part of this that has to be experienced when the people of God gather together. This is why it is so important that you get in a group because you will miss out on some of the things that God has for you. It's like my kids. I want them to be independent, but I don't want them to be isolated. I, I, I want them to know that it's okay to have some help. And what's interesting is that as you grow in Christ, the truth is, as you grow in maturity in Christ, you actually grow in greater dependence, not independence. That, that's what a mature believer looks like, to depend on the Holy Spirit. There are some things that only happen with his help. The Holy Spirit is how God gives his love to us. The, the Holy Spirit will help you pray. The Holy Spirit will remind you of the promises of God. The Holy Spirit will help you to obey God. The Holy Spirit will bring freedom from those places. The Holy Spirit will fill you with hope. The Holy Spirit will empower you with spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit has help for you. And just like Paul prayed this for the Corinthian church, this is what I've been praying for you, Velocity. I've been praying for you this prayer this week, that you would know that Jesus has grace for you, that you would know that God has love for you, and that you would know that the Holy Spirit has help for you. There is grace for your mistakes, there is love despite any of your achievements, and there is help that's available for the work that God has called you to do. And it would be my privilege to pray with you today that you could receive this for yourself. Would you just bow your head with me? 